we go. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. I fight for the users. The CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. Welcome to Tech to You Tuesday. Welcome back. We have a lot of little topics to go over this week, so I'm hoping to get through them all. And if not, we'll have some carryover for next week. But uh, we're going to just jump right in. And uh, this week with me, I have got Ryan again. Welcome back, Ryan. What up? <clears throat> I think you have some interesting uh, uh, input on some of these. Probably. We got some fun topics yeah. this week. Um, I think anybody would have some input on these. So the first one, uh, we're going to start this. Uh, we're going to start the show this week with. Um, a little product segment, which is actually something I want to do often, but I, I have a hard time finding ones that I think are worth talking about. Like the Apple Vision Pro was kind of a no-brainer. Everybody was talking about it. Um, but there's some other ones that are fun to talk about, uh, for me anyway. Um, and <clears throat> this week, I figured let's talk about uh, a, a automatic device that, first off, not a lot of people probably even know exists. Um, so we'll talk about that for a second. You were aware of the company. I had never heard of this particular company. Before. I'd heard of the company before. Well, it's, and it's funny. It's it's relevant in a weird way because I bought a lawnmower three days ago. So. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, that's <laughs> funny. Um, so I uh, so th there's a, a game uh, again for anybody unfamiliar. There's a game that came out in the '90s, like very early '90s, if I'm not mistaken, called Doom. Um, very very popular video game, and um, there ha it, it's kind of a silly thing in the tech community of like what devices can we get to play but can it run doom doom yeah can it run doom and so uh well, you know the obvious is like a computer can play the game doom um a smartphone can play the game doom these are these are like okay yeah these are the you know the game can be played on a lot of different platforms can your toaster play doom can your toaster can your television play doom um i've seen a pregnancy test play doom one of the pregnancy tests that has an actual lcd screen that like awesome. yeah somebody reprogrammed that and played doom on it um i have seen it on a tv on a samsung smart tv uh i can't say that i've seen a screen on a toaster um but i wouldn't be surprised they uh, used they used the toaster was the input that was it oh oh that's <laughs> right yeah yeah the toaster was the controller um and then like and yeah there's other ones where i've seen people use like a piano to be the controller yeah. and then they play the music that the piano would have played afterwards and obviously it's just like an awful combination of sounds um but one of the newest devices uh to welcome itself to being capable of playing doom is a automatic lawnmower. Um, and so, so we'll start with that. What the hell is an automatic lawnmower? Um, so I think for the most part, people are at this point very familiar with the idea of the household vacuum that goes onto a little dock. And it, it, like a Roomba is a very a popular brand. Shark. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of people that make them now. There's tons of brands that make right. them now. And uh, they're really cool. I have one upstairs. I have one downstairs in my house. Um, they don't. They don't travel up and down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> I wish that would, would save me a lot of money to have just one. Um, but they work really, really well. I, I, you know, I mean, they're. I, I, you know, what I should say, they work really well if you set proper expectations, right? right? Uh, on on uh, was it Saturday morning we were playing, uh, or, or no Sunday morning we were playing that game, right. and I told you I am going to be a little bit uh, late because um, I just exploded a bowl. Right. I was I was cleaning up after breakfast and this glass bowl exploded in my kitchen, and I, so I sent after we. You you know, got the big pieces. I sent the uh, the Roomba to go and pick up the rest, and it actually it really did a great job. There was a couple of very small shards 
that were just small enough I didn't want to pick them up with my fingers mm-hmm. um, just because I knew it was going to cut my finger if yeah. I just tried to grab it. So I was like, eh, I'll see if the ro- robot could get it. And it did. It did a good job. So this little robot vacuum, for anybody unfamiliar, it has a little dock that it goes to. It goes around the house and cleans, and then it goes back to the dock, and it charges itself. Um, and it, it also is kind of cool. It can Some of them can empty themselves, too. The yeah, little yeah, bin yeah. can empty into versions. a bag. That Yeah. Um, robot vacuums are conceptually the exact, or sorry, robot, uh, lawnmowers, what we're going to be showing you are conceptually the exact same. Just way thing. more dangerous. Yeah. 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 Way more <laughs> terrifying. Like if you flip over a robot vacuum, it's got a couple of little rubber. It's kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's got a couple of little rubber wheels and it's got like a little, a little spinny thing that kind of captures stuff from the corners with the little, nice little bristles. Yeah. If it hits your foot, it's like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, I hit your foot, whatever. And it moves along. Um, if it hit, you know, runs into your dog, it'll just kind of stop. And then, you know, it's very, very delicate. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to worry about getting any kind of in- injury from it uh, even in even in the apocalypse of robots it, this is one that really can't hurt you um but uh lawnmower has blades that spin and uh they're sharp <laughs> yep. i don't think it can like run over your toes no, i, I mean I'm, I'm sure it's got plenty of safety yeah I've, I've seen some of the uh, reviews of a couple of them it's been a while um but what, what did you could you say the name of this company Husqvarna. Husqvarna. Is it? Do you know? I have no idea what it sounds like. I, I think like it's a, like a harder. It's like Icelandic. Or yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it sounds like IKEA, uh, like an IKEA, uh, yeah. you know, b- brand that would be sold. Like if IKEA starts selling lawnmowers, this is probably the brand they're gonna sell. So because uh, no, the, no, they have to give them names. Yeah. <laughs> so it has a screen on it, um, and uh, the screen would, you know, the screen on this particular robot. Uh, lawnmower would typically be used to do things like set settings and Program things like it. that. Yeah, and and um, you know, as far as as far as like um, robot lawnmowers are concerned, you know, I do like I said, I want to talk about the robots, but this the doom thing is an excuse to. Um, they they they're pretty cool, but the, you know. You have to, again, set expectations and and what can it actually do? So everybody's yard is going to be a little bit different. Sometimes you go to those like really cookie cutter neighborhoods where they have like, you know, six feet of front lawn before the house is there. Right. And then, you know, and those are almost all just like the same rectangle. Those are really easy. Those are really easy for these robots too, especially if they're not at like an extreme incline or anything. Or have a lot of difficult terrain roots growing out. Right, right, exactly, and um, so yeah, as as long as the uh, as long as the 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 terrain is straightforward enough, and the shape of the lawn, and there's not like a tree with a bunch of bark around it, and things like that, as long as those things are set up in a way that is relatively straightforward for a robot to be able to uh, navigate and understand, or you can kind of tell it like this is where the tree would go. Yeah, um, as long as those things are in place. It'll work pretty well. Uh, as far as its ability to actually cut your lawn, as long as it goes on somewhat of a regular schedule, it makes sense. I think where these products are, are actually something that can work well for somebody is a backyard. I don't, I don't think I would want my lawnmower robot dock chilling in my front yard. So yeah, that's, that's the question for me is if I'm comparing it to a vacuum because I've never looked into the automated lawnmowers. Right. Is, do, do I still have to go and carry this chunky thing out from my garage to get it going does it does it have a little <laughs> robot dog house that it falls into when it's done it yeah there is a little uh there is a little dock that it has um that it goes to that's outside mm. you know uh and and the dock 
is is different depending on the brand. I've only seen a couple of them that I've really like dug into the reviews and thought like, oh, could that be worth it for certain people? Not for me. I don't have a lawn in my backyard. And um, I, I think if I had a really big lawn, I'd be super down to try one of these things. I, I'd be concerned about your lawnmower trying to swim. I would be also, yeah, I would, yeah, that's the, yeah, God, if you have a pool. Now, okay, so I will say that uh, from what I've seen, it's pretty reliable with setting zones. Yeah. So if you say, like, even if my lawn does extend over to this other area, um, don't just don't mow that section, you know, leave it alone. Nice. It uses a combination of GPS and then just different markers in the yard to kind of identify where it should and shouldn't go. Um, anyway, some of these, uh, as you can imagine, these are really expensive products. Um, did you happen to see pricing on these? No, I didn't even look into them. It was funny. I was I was thinking about it. And I was like, oh man, I had to I had to weigh whether or not I wanted a mower that I have to push or that pushes itself. The <laughs> last one that I saw when I was looking at a review of it was like five hundred bucks. Oh, um, that's not bad. No, and it, I'm just doing a quick search just to see if things have changed much, and it really hasn't. They go anywhere from, you God, know, I would have expected almost double that for entry. Right. I yeah. Well, I think uh, okay. What what's the cheapest phone you can get, and then what's the cheapest phone you should buy? Sure. So I yeah, yeah. would I buy the five hundred dollar one from um you know Walmart? Maybe not. Yeah. Um, but they go up to it. Looks like there's some high end ones that look like almost like an F one car. Uh, twenty five hundred bucks That's is awesome. kind of what I'm looking. So there's a range there. Um, this company that we're talking about, Husqvarna. Um, they have one that starts at looks like five hundred and sixty bucks. So um, reasonable. yeah, I mean, it, f for something to wh what did you pay for a lawnmower this weekend? It was eighty bucks off. It was supposed to be four hundred, and I paid three twenty. So you got a good lawnmower. Yeah, yeah, because you can pay like one hundred fifty bucks and get a I lawnmower. I was just thinking the same. I was like, I could have gotten like a hundred and thirteen dollar lawnmower. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm assuming this but is I one didn't. you're going to push it yourself. Yeah, yeah, right. It's so got a, it's got a five year warranty. Great, great. But yeah. uh, you know, spend double and. And it could do it on your uh, do it on its own. You've got uh, and and I and I can yell at it from my living room. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you got <laughs> you got little kids to consider too, though. So anyway, uh, I want to show um, this 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 product. I'm gonna try to get the audio going here for you too, so you can hear Husqvarna actually put a video up on YouTube. I'm gonna bring it up right now, and they are demonstrating the official capacity for their robot uh, lawnmower to play Doom. Here's their here's their video for anybody who can watch and you can hear it too. So we're looking at this really epic They put it out. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Else. Directly from the cover. But this time in your backyard. <laughs> to mow down the legions of hell. Now we're looking at him playing the game with a little dial. Husqvarna. Play oh, alone Husqvarna Robotic Lawnmowers. Worldwide release April 2024. <laughs> I just, I, I like, so I saw this and I was just like, that's, I, we got to talk about you it. You have to appreciate that it's available as a free update to existing models. Right, right. Yeah, like Doom. They, Doom they, you can play Doom on your. They uh, really went, it, giving official support for Doom on a lawnmower is already too far <laughs> back supporting your existing products. So people don't have to buy a new one <laughs> icing on the cake. Yeah. Aces. <laughs> uh, I, I, so when it comes to just the product in general, I, I thought it would be interesting to just share with people, but they probably, a lot of people probably don't know that robot lawnmowers even exist. But I mean, now if you're thinking about really getting one, 
um, I clearly you're gonna buy the one from Husqvarna, yeah. so you can get Doom on that's it, right? What, oh, wow, like if I'm that. gonna buy one, if I had a backyard with a lawn and I was like, this, I'm there's almost no question this is the brand I'm gonna buy. Yeah. Well they, done. They you know. they kn they knew how to capture a base. Yeah, yeah, they did. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, who like what people? It's probably not even a lot of the audience of this show. The the people that are like, no, you know, it's the people who grew up tech. playing Doom in the <laughs> yeah. '90s who now have property they have to begrudgingly mow. They yep. know their market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. That's so funny. Yeah, that's where age group, everything. Uh, so w when we come back, I'm going to talk about one other quick product I want to go over. Um, we're going to switch to kind of entertainment uh, entertainment category. We're going to talk about uh, YouTube TV, what that is, um, its value. Uh, we're going to talk about TVs in general and, and, and you know, good values there. Um, so a lot on the entertainment front today. And uh, we will be back in just a minute to go over some of that. All right, welcome back to Tech To You Tuesdays. So like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, products a bit today, TVs, entertainment category. Um, we've got a few things that we're going to go over. We were just talking about the... Um, Husqvarna, uh, doom playing capable robot lawnmower. Well, if you're interested in that, you can go back and listen to it, um, or look up a robot lawnmower if that's your thing. Uh, so I, without, right now I wanted to go over one other quick product and then we're going to dive into kind of a good uh, tangent from there. Um, I use a, a universal remote, uh, in, in, in both my, my bedroom upstairs and, and my, uh, like entertainment Right. center area living room downstairs um i this is not one that i talk about a lot because it it's one of those things where i think now what's happening is most people have um something like their cable tv box comcast direct tv whatever and then they have their tv mm -hmm. and then they have maybe like an apple tv or amazon fire stick or something like that i don't think most people i, I don't this is a total guess I don't think most people are using a surround sound system that's like a dedicated surround sound system. I think sound bars are becoming more popular, yeah. which which is sort of still in the same category because it's a separate device from your TV. But I feel like a lot of places I go, a lot of houses that I've been into, they just use the TV speakers for the audio. Yeah. As I wouldn't call myself an audiophile, but um, as a fan of good audio, that I, I really like a good surround sound system. So anyway, in my case, I use a, a TV, I use a surround sound system, and I use uh, like an Apple TV, but I also have like my PlayStation connected and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, when, you're, when you're changing inputs on devices, one of the things that is constantly a frustration for people is like, oh man, I can't remember which input does what, and oh, yeah, I switched the input, but the audio is not working now, and mm. wait, what, which way does the audio go? Does the TV first, and then to the sound bar, or whatever? So uh, one of the things that meant a lot to, to me was to simplify that process, not only for myself, but also my wife especially, who doesn't want to figure out inputs and stuff. She wants like a, I want to press a button, and then and that button makes it play Apple TV and the surround sound goes to the right input. And now a lot of these um, new devices like an Apple TV can sort of control your yeah. surround sound and your TV and stuff for you. They have a lot of built in capabilities, but where it gets complicated is if, if you're using something other than an Apple TV. So again, using, let's just say direct TV, like one of the most popular uh, satellite television providers in the country. Uh, a lot of people have it. They come with like these universal remotes. Well, I have been using for years Logitech made, Logitech's a company, Logitech made a brand of, of universal remote called Harmony. 
And I could go on for like a full 30 minutes on exactly how this thing works, but the long story short is it is an incredible piece of technology. It's incredibly reliable. It's expensive. It was like 150 bucks, I think, for the remote plus the hub. Yeah. Um, but over the probably seven years or so that I've been using it, it has paid dividends in just frustration-free. There's so much cool stuff that it can do that I don't even use, but the basics for me are your experience at my house is if you pick up the remote and you press the little Apple TV button on the remote, the TV turns on, the amplifier turns on, it sets itself to the, uh, the Apple TV input, the Apple TV turns on, and then I have a backlight on my TV, which turns on to the right color, and then I have two accent lights in that same room that also turn on to the right color, right and, and right like a uh, um, level of brightness as well. And if you're just looking at the room, you know what is selected because of the color scheme that I've chosen for all of my accent lights. If I choose the PlayStation button, everything turns blue. The backlight, the accent lights, everything turns you know blue. So again, I know if I choose Nintendo, it all turns red. Nice. And so it, that a lot of that was just for my son because he was like, oh, I can't remember if, if it's on this. Yeah. You know, but cool it, little visual cue. Right. Yeah. So I have these connections beyond just the basics. So finally, um, as far as another product is concerned, because Logitech stopped making these products a few years back. And it was like one of the saddest days in, in IT history for me is th it was such a fantastic product line, but just not a lot, not a lot of people bought it. You know, it was, I think it felt like a really complex barrier of entry to get past that stage of like, oh, this is a very expensive remote and I have to configure it. And that sounds complicated. And I couldn't say enough uh, op uh, of, that it is the opposite of that. It's very easy. It is expensive, I'll, 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 you know, for a remote. I get it. But as far as its ease of use and setup, it's so, so fantastic. So finally, a new company came out that I like. Uh, it's called Sofa Baton. And uh, I have a little, play, little video playing here on, on, on Rad TV for you guys, just kind of demonstrating their, their website, what they show. But basic concept is the same. You can make it work with your uh, TV and your cable and your uh, surround sound system and whatever. It works with most major things, but it also works with Sonos speakers, which a lot of people use for their surround sound now. Um, it communicates wirelessly, uh, Bluetooth, uh, infrared. Uh, it has a little screen on it. It can work with you know your PlayStation, your Apple TV, your television it long story short um its capabilities really i think create a lot less frustration for people it's it and especially for the people that are like you know you have to tape off buttons on the remote that you don't want them to press yeah you can configure the remote so that it only does the things that you want you can configure it to make it very very simple for someone else to have an easier experience with um with their with their entertainment system and this you know this could even just be the person with a tv and a cable box you know even those two remotes a lot of times don't don't line up well with each other so anyway as far as products are concerned there is actually a universal remote out there that i do recommend um i like it i've, I've watched a ton of reviews on it i've seen how it connects to wi-fi what the setup process is and then for me personally i don't know how much of a thing an attractor this is for everybody else but you can use your cell phone as a remote as well. So you have the physical remote, but then, you know, you're sitting in your lazy boy, right? And you're kind of reclining back and you're like, oh yeah, the volume's kind of low. Oh man, the remote's all the way over on the other side of the room. Oh, what am I going to do? Dang it, my son is upstairs doing homework. I don't want to stop him doing his homework. It took me 30 minutes to oh, get him to no. start in the first place. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll pull my phone out of my pocket you're and adjust the trainer, volume. right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think that, um, I think that it's some, one of those things where this is a, this is a technology that I think 
gets overlooked by the masses a lot because it is expensive and it feels complex. But the reality is it's very straightforward. And I, I think for 150 bucks, yes, it's an expensive remote, but it really does simplify things a lot for me. Well, it looked like this also supported other like home automation stuff. Right, yeah, you can use it for other, like yeah, if you're into the smart home type thing yeah. um, and you don't know about this brand, there's a lot that it can do, which is kind of cool. You have a universal remote for caring, you know, changing the lights in your home if you wanted it to. Right. Like, hey, turn on the lights in the kitchen. You could do it with the remote if you wanted to. Anyway, just a product I wanted to talk about briefly, something that I think is more appealing to uh, many people than what they might realize. Um, so as far as the entertainment category is concerned, uh, in, in, in tech news, um, Walmart, a place I haven't been to in... Don't bother. I don't know how long it's been. <laughs> my, my wife goes there. She'll buy stuff from there. I just really have a hard time going there. And it's... And it's I, I get it. Like, I get the appeal. Great prices. It's just always a madhouse. And, I, and so anyway, they bought, um, as they have bought with... As they've bought many companies, they bought Vizio. Or they're in the process of buying Vizio. Vizio is a television maker. Um, we have a couple of Vizio TVs in the office. They're like a great... I'm cheap TV. Pretty sure that every single TV in my home is a Vizio. Yeah, I mean, like you can pay three hundred bucks and get like the four K sixty inch yeah. TV. You know, um, so this is a, a broader topic about TVs in general. I want to talk about, and I think I'll start it by saying we are in what might be the best gravy train period ever in in current and potentially future history of of when to buy a TV. Yeah. Right. Oh, God, if you walk into a Sam's Club or a Costco, there a wall of them right there in front of you. You can get a 40-inch for like $160 nowadays. Right. On average, over the last, like, <gasps> I think it was 15 years, the prices of TVs have gone down almost 100%. So, like, in 2006, I bought a plasma TV. There was a 50-inch high-end plasma TV, and it was 2200 bucks. And I paid for a brand new LG OLED 65 inch TV. So bigger, way, way better. Yeah. And it's been, you know, um, let's say 15 years or so since that time. I paid 1300 for that TV. It was on sale at the time I bought it. But I mean, you know, there is, the prices have come down for substantially better viewing even, quality. Even 32 inch, when LCDs were taking over for plasmas and they were getting mm -hmm. real thin, our, I remember the first like 32 inch LCD that was put in my room was $700, $800. Right, me too. Yeah, same thing, yeah. And uh, so when it comes to TVs and their prices now, the, the thing to be aware of is that there's a couple of factors that lead to low pricing. One of them is a, is a really great manufacturing improvement, which is they use a thing, I can't remember the exact name of it, it doesn't matter that much. It's like called mother glass or something, where basically they manufacture these massive sheets of glass and then they cut them out to the sizes of the TV rather than manufacturing manufacturing glass to the size itself. So it cuts down substantially on just the cost of production. And there's been other streamlined production processes in the last you know, decade. Um, but besides that, one of the other things that TVs are now is internet connected. Uh, right. in, in fact, the most people that buy TVs, like go out buy a Samsung, an LG, a Vizio, a, whatever, a Roku TV, whatever it is, a TCL from Amazon, the idea is like, hey, the TV already comes with Netflix pre-installed. Yeah. It comes with Hulu pre-installed. It comes with uh, ESPN's app pre-installed. And people use those. And that's fine. There's, n there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But I, I feel like it's worthy uh, of your, your of the information for you to know those pre-installed apps are the reason those TVs are so cheap. Yeah. And it's because TV companies, Vizio is a great example, are collecting a lot of data 
on what you're doing with those TVs. There's a there's a hidden headache in there too, which is with how fast these TVs are pumped out and replacing older models is they don't they don't support the software for a long time either. Right. They're not going to update those apps. You're going to try to launch them and it's going to tell you some version of an app you've never heard of before doesn't have the right support and you need to go and buy a new TV. I I I think that the takeaway that the takeaway I want people to get from this is that um, right now is a very unique time in the industry of, of of buying TVs, and it's for two reasons. One, manufacturing is is very efficient, um, and and the quality of TVs are really good, right? But number two, TV makers are selling your data, right? And 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 in massive massive volumes. Now, there's a couple of different levels of like you know, private data that people can sell. They can sell, you know, social security numbers. They could sell stuff, you know, uh, addresses, names, phone numbers, things like that. That's not exactly what TV companies even would have access to in the first place. They're going to tell people that you watched 18 hours of cooking shows last week. Yeah, and there's a lot that can be inferred and accurately from that information. Like, just as a, a really good example, um, if you watched a specific show at a certain time, and then, uh, you know, and you do that repetitively every week, and then you watch this other show every time regularly throughout the week, one of the things to, that can be inferred is like, this is probably a person living with a girlfriend. This is probably a person in their late 20s to early 30s. And that information is used to amass, you know, viewing habits and then sent back for analyzing on what kind of ads are best to serve Personalized you. Personalized recommendations. Right. And TV ads are getting worse and worse and worse. So... The reason why I say it's a great time to buy a TV is not necessarily because people should. Um, I don't want to. You know, I want people to prolong the life of their electronics as they can. But if you're in the market for a TV, now's a great time because you can buy a new TV, which has a low value as a result of data collection, and then do something totally innovative and not connected to the internet. <laughs> and uh, now now you might say, well, wait, if I buy the TV with all those apps installed and I don't connect to the Internet, then how do I even use it? Like my whole point is because as Netflix built into it, that's where third party hardware comes in. And it doesn't have to be expensive. Google makes a device called a Chromecast dollars for a Chromecast. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, cheap alternatives to easily get Netflix and YouTube TV and Hulu and all of those things on your TV without using the native applications in the TV or even connecting your TV to the internet. And I think probably one of the main reasons I avoid even personally connecting my TV to the internet is because of ads. My TV has ads on it now. It's one more avenue for bandwidth to be wasted as well. Sure. Yeah. And just tracking. It's something I don't, I don't like. Now that's not to say that Google won't track you with a Chromecast, but their tracking is a lot more limited than what something, somebody like Vizio who has 500 advertisers already with that company. Right. And they're selling to Am or to, to Walmart, Walmart, who certainly is going to hit you even harder for ads. Um, Walmart has a thing called, I think it's called Walmart Connect is the name of it. It's not something most people even know about because it's, it's like a business to business type thing where you can sell your product with Walmart and then they will help you advertise it through their mediums. Mm -hmm. And now that they own Vizio, they're gonna have a, a whole nother line of advertising. Right. Uh, so they're gonna make a lot of money on this purchase. Anyway. Um, Great time to buy a TV. As far as apps are concerned in the TV, if you don't connect it to the internet, Google Chromecast is a great device for really cheap to, to have. Oh, this is another really big thing. 
Google Chromecast is updated by Google. So it's actually kept up to date. They, they have minimum support for like three years. Right. And whereas like when you buy your Vizio TV, they could just bail. Like Netflix could say, hey, we don't want to write a new version of Netflix for Vizios anymore. They could just stop. But yeah. they're not going to do that with a Google Chromecast. It's way too popular. Yeah. Um, the cream of the crop as far as like third-party devices you would plug into a TV is probably still an Apple TV. Um, it, and, and the nice thing is it doesn't really require you to be like an iPhone user or a Mac user. Right. It's something that can totally stand on its own. It's expensive. They start at like 150, 200 bucks. Um, the quality is unparalleled as far as what you get out of it. You get Dolby Vision out of it. You get 4K. I mean, it, it's, it's a very good quality piece of hardware, uh, but it is expensive. So yeah. there are cheaper alternatives. Amazon Fire Stick is one of them. Google Chromecast are probably the, ch the cheaper of the, of the options. Um, yeah. As far as the um, ways to view TV, now that's one, one of the bigger things. I, I think that... Um, a lot of people have by now heard the name YouTube TV. It got thrown around a lot before the Super Bowl. It got thrown around a lot before other big sporting events. Um, and just to define that for anybody who doesn't know, YouTube TV is a direct competitor to DirecTV, to yep. Comcast Cable, to Cox Cable Services, whatever, whoever you're paying for television service. YouTube, not, not YouTube.com, but right. YouTube TV is its own television streaming service. Um, and I just wanted to go over it for people a little bit because it's, it's what I switched to, um, I'm going to say three years ago or so, maybe a little longer than that. Uh, and I've, I've been really happy with it. It's not cheap, just like all cable is, but right. it, it usually is cheaper than paying for something like DirecTV. Yeah. Um, a big part of that, you don't need to have a satellite on your house. Obviously, that's kind of nice. But probably more important than anything, it's month to month. You know what? It seems to is, you know, people have always probably experienced this when they work with like their parents or or grandparents or something like that where every year their bill goes up and they just don't change anything or do anything about it it doesn't seem like youtube has been that way not too bad customers. no it's, there was a been, there was a recent price increase sure but it's not been like every year just because you're right. you know your 12 month subscription ran out so we're we're adding these special charges and and crap like that so. right exactly so now it's it is uh 73 a month uh, or $72.99, and um, it is month to month. That's probably one of the biggest takeaways from this is that it, rather than signing up for like a year-long contract yeah. with one of the other major cable providers, you do it as much as you want. Um, you can use it in up to six households, technically. Oh, okay. So like I could sign up for it and then add you as a quote-unquote family member and you know f a bunch of other people, and we could all have access to it, but you can only have three streams at a time so even though it could That's be available in you know quote unquote six households three active streams at once it's cool that i didn't know they let you do that in multiple households i would have expected it to be like um netflix or hulu where you have to check in See, you know IP you have to address sign and yeah, all exactly. that yeah no they actually use the word households they say six up to six households that's that's a considerably different level of value that they can add right yeah. and so yeah splitting it with your friends I, I would say don't get get it for six people get it for three right that way you don't run into that conflict um and i mean then you know 72 divided by three say, people even, you're paying 25 bucks each even if know? i just did it for me and my parents you right know? deal yeah so um and then beyond that, you also get unlimited DVR space. So if you have like, you know, going back, what was the name of the really popular DVR that everybody used? Uh, uh, God, I can't even think of it. People use the name as like a- TiVo. A, TiVo, yeah, yeah. T they would say TiVo it, you know, yeah. like, but it's a DVR, right? So it has, uh, same concept, it's got um, 
unlimited space so you can set it to record shows that you want. There's a library of, of your own shows that you can go back and, and, and watch after they've been recorded. So if you're into watching, you know, traditional television, um, I highly recommend at least checking it out, especially just getting you off of what could be a very expensive contract every month, which th these aren't getting cheaper either, you no. know, um, like DirecTV or whatever their service you might have. Um, and so they, they have another thing where you can add, it's 10 bucks a month, so it goes to what, $84 a month, and you have unlimited simultaneous viewing. So if you have six accounts, you can actually have all six people viewing simultaneously, which is really cool. Now, you, now you've taken an $80 a month or $83 a month plan, and you can divide that by six, six households, right. and it would actually work. Um, and then you can also download movies for like offline use or shows. So if you wanted to like watch a show on an airplane, you can download it directly from YouTube TV to your phone and watch it while when you're on an airplane or a camping trip or whatever. Um, so that's kind of cool. So as far as just value of like TV services is concerned, I just wanted to like very quickly kind of give you an idea of, 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 of its existence and what it costs. This is actually my account I'm logged into. If you're watching right now, you can see that I, like it shows my membership plan at $72.99. And then there's all these things I can add on. Sunday Ticket, uh, NFL Red Zone, uh, HBO Max. This is the 4K Plus thing. I don't, I don't pay for this right now. Um, there's Sports Plus, Spanish Plus. Uh, there's tons of things. Stars, MGM, Cinemax, blah, 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 blah. And I don't really add any of these because I, have, I use a lot of the individual applications instead. Um, I just found, like, I don't use all of them, and right. there's very specific ones I do and don't like, so I, I sign up separately for those. This is another thing is, uh, if, you're, if you're watching on, on Rad TV, this is the live view. So for me, growing up, getting used to, like, uh, it, for me, it was Comcast Cable Channel 2. If I went to Channel 2, it would show, like, the scrolling list of every TV channel and channel. what's on the TV guide channel, right? So this is the TV guide for YouTube TV. It's just on the web uh, and I'm just scrolling through it on my computer here and I can see one of the things that's really cool is if I just stop scrolling, it actually shows me a live preview of uh, like six different channels at once. So I can actually see if, is it on a commercial right now? Is it worth clicking to? I'm, I'm curious about how that interface looks with um, the Google TV boxes. Oh, sure. Cause yeah. I, I have a Google TV box, which is a lot like the Apple TV. Um, and you can see four services that offer live view TV. They, they'll give you previews of them when you first open it up. It'll show you five or six of them, how far into them they are, what channel they're supposed to be on, or what streaming service they're coming from. Yeah. So I'm curious about how that integrates. Yeah, it, it, it's... I, so I've seen it, it used for a, a few different creative features too, like uh, for one time zone difference, differences, you know, like if, if a show airs in the East Coast, you get access to it on the West Coast at the earlier time so you can record it. Nice. Um, but you could even set time zones. Uh, there, there's a bunch of like little features that I think people would would probably enjoy if they if they were using something like this or if they right. were willing to go through the time of setting it up and figuring it out. But I would just say even for the average person, if you already have a smart TV uh, with the YouTube app built in, which most smart TVs will have, or you're using something like a Google Chromecast, an Amazon Fire Stick, whatever, um, it will have YouTube TV built in. Um, and Apple TV has it too. You know, It's just nice. an app you can install. Uh, so anyway, a service I recommend, something I like. If you have questions about it, feel free to email and ask. And um, I'm always, always happy to review these things. But I, if anything, today I just wanted to kind of highlight a couple of services that I think people, they've heard the names of or they know exist, but don't quite know whether or not they're really any good. Um, the only other, the only other thing I, I would say about when it comes to like YouTube TV and, and these other, um, services, you can, you can pay, uh, you know, YouTube, YouTube TV again is going to be something for like 
watching local news channels and, and National Geographic and ESPN is included. Um, but when it comes to the other ones where it's like HBO Max, right. for example, that's an app of its own. But Disney Plus gets a little complicated. Like you can get Disney Plus with Hulu. Right. You can get Disney Plus with Hulu and ESPN. And ESPN. Right. And, and so, you know, a lot of those unique um, <clears throat> services they really do depend on what you're interested in as, as you know, as the individual, in my case, I sign up for a lot of them. I'm using Disney plus and Hulu combined because mm-hmm. those are ones that offered kind of a no brainer discount for me. Yeah. Um, but I also like, I play for pay for Paramount plus completely separate. Peacock is separate. Um, there's a couple of other ones that are just like separate services that I pay for, but there are ways to, get the uh, get the prices on these things down by combining some of them. Yeah. There's also, uh, like, you. I think you mentioned Verizon um, has... Verizon specifically is what we have our Disney and Hulu and ESPN combo package through, yeah. And so you pay them an, an additional amount and then It's on our Verizon it. bill, yeah. But it's cheaper than paying for the three-pack directly. But it gets kind of convoluted in that when, for example, we just went through this, my wife needed to reset her password but it wouldn't go through her regular email account. Right. She had to do something through Verizon customer support to get the plan fixed. Like it, it, That's where it can kind of become a little bit more difficult, but it's really about what is accessible to you, what you have, um, what might get you a better discount or bundle it, if you're going to even use those things. It's very interesting to hear, you know, obviously we've both been through that. We're like, I need to reset my Hulu password, but it's through Disney. And, I, I you know, it's not even clear for me, like which one do yeah. I go to first? Um, it's interesting to me that we're back at a stage where the entertainment market is so segmented, um, like it was, you know, 25 years ago. So weird how it came full circle to get all of these different streaming apps, but it amounts to the same amount that we all. Yeah. Right. We were like, Oh, you know, we could leave cable and and get, uh, we only watch HBO. So let's just get that, you know? And, uh, and now we're back at this stage where, if you sign up for all the different things that you like, yeah, you're paying the same amount as you did with cable, but but even worse because it's just... Now it's, you got to figure out where it's at. Now you got to troubleshoot each individual. Exactly. You've got another account that could be compromised or mm-hmm. leaked. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is where I, I, it's kind of an unfortunate uh, necessity of, of, of just the emerging technologies with entertainment is to become aware of the best way to like store your passwords and uh, be aware of how these applications work and what what they integrate with and what they're connected to. It sucks that the average person needs to learn these things. Yeah. You, you know, looking back maybe seven, eight years when the, these were becoming, um, you know, they were emerging and becoming popular to some degree, you know, the techs of the world were getting excited. Like, cool, this is no big deal for us. Like yeah. we can, we can, we know how to, properly store our passwords and have 300 different accounts for whatnot. This is just one more. Um, and we understand how the bill works and how they're going to charge us and how we reset our password and how we access it and what device we can access it on. But the thing is, none of those things have changed in, in the, in the last, you know, seven, eight years, they're all still the same problem. So I don't necessarily see a great solution for that. Like, you know, Apple and Google do a good job of trying to make your life a little easier. They store your passwords in your device for you. They can remember it. Um, but even then, you know, they're not, they're not really helping with everything. That's where I think, you know, companies like Google are trying to get their, hands back on that you know we are the premium entertainment provider for all in one all things yeah and that's where youtube tv is kind of you know it's kind of getting them there 
And as much as I don't want Google to be that monopoly, it would be really nice if there was a company that I could just say, hey, go here, and they offer everything in one. It's one bill. And they do technically yeah. what we, we were just looking at it where I can log into my YouTube TV account and see all those add-ins. I could buy all of those services directly through YouTube and pay one company. Right. But again, where it gets complicated right away is what if I have to reset the password for HBO Max? Yep. Do I do that through my Google account? Do I have to go to, and, and it is different depending on the service. Yep. So, you know, if, if you feel like this is a complicated thing and, and you just don't get it, you're not alone. It is. <laughs> it's a sucky process <laughs> right now. Um, but I would still say that for the, for the price, if you're, if you're somebody doing something simple, you know, simple in, in terms of you're mostly just looking for uh, the ability to watch live TV and, and, and you want to replace your, your cable company, um, YouTube TV is a great option for that. And this is, again, assuming one other caveat, which is that you've got a TV or a little plug-in for your TV to be able to watch it in the first place. Um, but it's nice. You could watch it from your phone and, and you know on the go and things like that are always really good too. So uh, a couple other things that we're going to talk about uh, when we come back here is uh, we're going to talk about um, message security. So like sending messages securely with your phone and probably some security things that you don't know exist right now, like specifically that some of the messages that you send from your phone are not secured at all, like not even a little bit. <laughs> uh, they're very easy for people to get, and uh, we'll go over how to avoid that and um, some, new, some new technologies that are emerging to make your life a little easier when it comes to uh, messaging uh, security. So we'll be back in just a second, go over that. Yeah, today's uh, return audio was just kind of a random choice of songs. <laughs> I almost did uh, Domo Arigato, but I was like, ah, it's not really a great fit. Um, so yeah, you just get some some uh, random music today. So uh, welcome back. And uh, we've been talking about um, entertainment. And uh, at the end of that uh, last segment there, we were talking a little bit about um, security and, and, you know, all these different accounts. You've got uh, HBO and uh, YouTube and, and uh, uh, Disney Plus and Stars or whatever. You're paying for all these. You got to have all these different passwords. Um, one of the things that we do a lot is we will text our significant others these passwords. Yep. Um, and uh, so my wife will say, she's at, she was just at work the other day. She was logging into, I think, our YouTube account. And she's like, hey, what's the password for YouTube again? She's like, ah, man. Got last pass going like we can yeah. we can you can do this you know you have a family plan yeah we do yeah <laughs> yeah i got the whole thing it's funny we actually i pay for uh ad free youtube and and it's intended for my wife and my son to both use it and neither of them like they refuse nice. to just stay signed into youtube to get no ads and it kills me every time they want to show me a youtube video there's an ad in front of it well, what are you doing <laughs> um but as far as uh, as far as security is concerned with you know texting passwords um, there's a lot of different ways you can send a text. If you're sending from a modern Android phone to another modern Android phone, you're sending a traditional text message in the sense that it's using the um, SMS. Technically SMS protocol, but most likely RCS. 
RC, I'm not sure. Most Androids yeah. will natively support RCS I now. I know that sometimes you can opt out of it still. You can, or that's older right. phones aren't automatically opted in, and if both yeah. sides aren't opted in, yeah, you will be... This is one of those things where you probably won't know whether or not your phone is using it. It's not like it was one of those features that when you were setting your phone up, it's like, hey, do you want to use RCS? Yeah. It would just be there. Um, and that's why I say if it's a modern phone, within the last few years especially, it will automatically be turned on for you. Yeah. Um, it's not usually an opt-in process. It's typically an opt-out. So if you got a couple yeah. modern Android devices communicating with each other. Thinking about it now, my my Pixel 8, it was automatically on. My yeah. Fold 3 was not. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, which is not even that old of a phone. It's not. Phone. No, it's right. like three and a half years old. So um, that's, a, that's a really secure way to send text messages. It's encrypted from your phone to the other, to, to the recipient's phone when you send a message. But ironically, one of the least secure ways you can possibly send a text is from one of the companies who's known for security over everybody else, which is Apple. If you send a text to an Android user on an iPhone, it is completely raw, unencrypted text. Man, if only there was an app that let you get around that. It's so wild that <laughs> uh, it blows me away. Like As much as I like to talk Apple up about security... This is one of those decisions that they make to simply be holier than thou. Sure. And they could easily turn RCS support on. They, they've announced it months ago, and they simply haven't rolled it out. Yes. And so in the meantime, they get to kind of keep their noses in the air about, um, you know, well, if you were to just send an iMessage to somebody else. Buy your mom an iPhone. Buy, yeah, buy an iPhone. That's, that's the best way to send. Now, the reality is that sending an iMessage from one user to another is a highly secure process. But sending it to an Android phone, that's not Android's fault that it's not secure. Right. That is absolutely on Apple for allowing their users to have this unencrypted process. It's it's embarrassing that such a advanced company that touts security is just basically saying, well, for the sake of shunting Android sales, we don't we don't want to uh, secure those messages. Look, I'm all for spite decisions. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So um, there's a couple alternatives. One of the things you can do if you're using an iPhone and you're messaging an Android user and you want that to be secure, there's a company called Signal. Um, have you used it? I've never used Signal or any of the other... Similar. There's similar applications. Right. Signal is one of the most popular. So Signal is a free application that allows you to send encrypted messages to other users. And up until just this last week, it was you you identified who other users were in Signal by their phone number. Mm -hmm. But they in recent news, they added the ability to have a username, which is just kind of nice because you can kind of keep your phone number private. Um, it's kind of like uh, kind of like sending somebody a payment over Cash App or Zelle or, or, or something like that, mm -hmm. where you just say, yeah, I, my Cash App is, you know, dollar sign Ian Reader or whatever, right? right. Um, and... The adding this username thing is kind of cool because it adds a level of anonymity to the whole secure message thing, which is right. one of the things that they really like. Um, what's the point in this? Why would you care? Well, I highly recommend that you not send passwords from your iPhone to an Android user because it's completely unencrypted right now. Is anybody listening to it? Is anybody looking for those text messages? Eh, probably, probably not. Probably not. But the risk is there. And, and it's, it's one of those things where that data is likely being stored at your carrier. So if you're using like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, whatever, they they don't just like send that message and then delete it. it right. You know, there's records of things that are sent and especially when it's raw unencrypted text, that data is there. Now, I'm not even saying that they're going to do anything malicious with it. Somebody else 
could just get their hands on it. Yeah. And that is where w- the thing that I want to talk about, I'm going to go back to praising Apple a little bit here, unfortunately. Um, one of the things I'm really excited about is Apple is doing the same thing that Signal is, is and has been doing for a while. Signal offers a quantum protection of encryption for their data. The idea is that quantum computers are coming. You know, we, right. we, thi- we think. Um, I mean, they're kind of, they, kind of, they kind of already exist, but not to the extent that like, somebody could get their hands on one very yeah, easily or make you, it. It's yeah. an incredibly You'd, you'd be at a high-end research facility to be able to look at one. And it's very much still even in the research phase. The right. concept of the quantum bit is even something that is, it's not theoretical, but it is something that's not like in regular use. The point, though, is that when a quantum computer becomes more popular and a person can get their hands on it, effectively all encryption that we use today will be useless, completely and utterly useless. It would be so easy to crack for a quantum computer that it, it, if your data is stored in some encrypted state right now and somebody gets their hands on it now, by the time they get a quantum computer, they just hold on to that data and now they have whatever that encrypted data was. I actually really like this topic. I watched a video on quantum proofing encryption mm-hmm. and and some of the crazy techniques that they would have to do where they're like aligning objects in 3D space and going off different vectoring mechanisms. Oh, it's, it's so intense, but too, too much. To <laughs> I, love how, I love how so much of the audience was like, oh my God, what the hell is this guy saying is intense? <laughs> but I'm with you. I, I've seen little bits of it and so much of it is over my head. I mean, we're talking like, you know, physicists are the ones who are sort of the experts in, in yeah. parts of this field. Um, you know, it's a very, very well beyond the computer and IT professional industry. But um, the thing to take note of is that a lot of data has been leaked in, in not just recent years, but in all time. And a lot of that data has been encrypted. So, you know, a major company has a massive data breach, but they say to their users, while our data was breached and all of your personal information is now in the hands of these criminals, they won't be able to use any of it because we've encrypted it. Asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> they can't use it now. Right. Now, what does that mean? Okay, well, okay, then all I have to do is like change my passwords, right? When, when it comes time for quantum computers to be a thing. Well, sure, yeah, that would help. I mean, that's a good start. Um, but more importantly, what data can't you change? You can't change your social security number very easy, right. right? There's a lot of data that people can't change. Private pictures that are up in in clouds right now. You use iCloud, Google Cloud, whatever places mm-hmm. to store private, personal content that you don't want out. Tax returns, whatever. Um, it's encrypted. If it gets right. leaked, it's encrypted. People can't. So quantum computing is a uh, massive threat to to uh, what 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 is already stolen encrypted data and will be future stolen encrypted data. So I'm, I message in Apple, Apple's way of sending text messages, now officially supports quantum proofing encryption. So that means that if Apple's data did leak and quantum computers were out, you're still protected. All this from the company who still can't send an encrypted text message to an Android user out of spite. Wrong, can, doesn't want to. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> It blows me away that they've gone. And like I almost feel like it. it like to, to Android users, Apple just took the poker out of the fire and dug it into their chest, just to say like we're better than you. Like I'm I'm branding you with the Apple brand because we're so much better than you are. We're gonna have better encryption than anybody else in the market, 
except for when we're talking to you. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous. I, 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 I hate it because it's for the benefit of the company and not for the user. So as much as Apple is always touting privacy for their users, yeah. they're not taking actions to actually help those users. So it's unfortunate to see that that's the direction that they've gone. But on, on the plus side, you know, I message users who are they're using still, Apple devices. They're good. still making good steps. Yeah, still makes still make good steps and better security. <laughs> so that's great. Um, <laughs> as far as as far as Signal is concerned, just to kind of recap that real quick, Signal is this free application you can get online. And if you're basically looking for a method to communicate with people that is outside of using your cell phone. There are just so many options. There's WhatsApp, there's Facebook Messenger, there's there's tons of ways to like to, to message people. Um, when it comes to a highly secure messaging platform, one that um, Signal Signal doesn't comply with with requests from the government to like investigate or audit messages back and forward because they cannot. They have absolutely no ability to view private user data. If a user loses access to their their account and they can't reset their password, that that data is basically useless at that point. Um, so that's kind of the the nice thing about this is if you're looking for something that's like highly private, especially if you're in an industry where privacy is a is right. a high concern, medical industry, military things like that. Um, this is a really great option um, now surprisingly, Apple is going to be basically on par with them when it comes to subscription with, or when it comes to encryption, excuse me, uh, regarding the, the newest version of, of iMessage. Um, but you know, they're, they're still, they're still a long way to go. So if you're looking for a secure messaging platform anyway, signal is one that I would recommend. Um, last thing I'll, I'll leave this off or leave, leave today off with, I've got kind of a, we'll make a, a, a one minute, uh, of, of this because you wanted to, you wanted Talk to hit so on it. So, so sorry, we're only going <laughs> to get on it. a minute. <laughs> there is a new dating app. Speaking of phones, a uh, new dating app, uh, called score score, God, which, which, uh, in order to qualify to join score, you have to have a credit score. Uh, and I believe that if the limit, yeah, six, think, 640, I think I read on the article six seventy five. Okay. So the, maybe it has changed because they haven't even like, there's a short period of time where they're going to offer this, but here's the basic, basic sell. There's a dating app on the market. It's called score. In order to join score, you have to have a credit score that's high enough to join it. Therefore, you're only talking to people with a high credit score. Right. And so 640, 675, was 640 when I looked at it a few weeks ago. And uh, if they're saving 675 now, it's gone up. If, if you join and fail the soft credit check, they send you to credit improvement resources. Oh, wow. <laughs> you're not going to get a date and you have bad credit. Sorry, you are too short to ride this ride. So good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, anyway, if you're looking for a kind of a fun app and you got a good credit score, man, check out score. You'll have to let us know how it goes. I don't want to join let, score. Let us, let us know if you score. <laughs> yeah, let us let us know if you score on score. Uh, <laughs> and, and we'll look forward to that answer next week. Uh, in the meantime, have a great week and we will see you all next Tuesday. Ciao. This conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye. I'll be back. Goodbye, old friend. May the force be with you. Goodbye.